Welcome to the EPRI Cybersecurity Podcast, where we talk everything related to cybersecurity for control systems in the energy industry. I'm Jeremy Lawrence, hosting alongside my EPRI colleague, Jason Holler. This is episode number three. In this episode, we'll be talking about blockchain, some of the different ways it could be used in the energy industry, and of course, some of the different applications for cybersecurity. With us today, we're joined by guests Sydney Creedle from the National Energy Technology Lab, Grant Johnson from Ames Laboratory, and Tony Markle from the National Renewable Energy Lab. Sydney, Grant, and Tony are heading up a joint lab project focused on the use of blockchain and use cases in the energy sector. And the project is called Blossom. Um, Sydney, you've been leading this project and First, could you talk a little bit about just what Blossom stands for, but also a little bit about some of the project goals and, and um, objectives? Yeah, sure. Um, so our project is called Blossom, and it's B-L-O-S-E-M. Um, and basically, that stands for uh, Blockchain for Optimized Security and Energy Management. Um, uh, when we first came together you know, to form our team, we kind of rallied around that, that kind of floral uh, imagery that comes to mind when you think of that acronym, Blossom. Um, and basically, you know, referring to something that, um, you know, blooms and grows out of an initial idea or a concept um, that uh, can become, you know, something more. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and even now, like as I reflect back on it, it's, it's a, I think it's a good analogy, you know, when it comes to, you know, just technology development in general um, and the, the maturation of like uh, viable concepts, you know, which is basically the motivating force behind our research effort. Um, real quick, I know you already uh, introduced part of our team, but I want to make sure that we have, uh, uh, we acknowledge our other partners uh, on this project as well. So again, um, you know, the lead institution is the National Energy Technology Laboratory, um, and that's the lab where I work. Um, and we've brought together, you know, four other national labs. So we had the National en Renewable Energy Laboratory. We also have um, Ames Laboratory, Pacific Northwest National Laboratory, and SLAC National Accelerator Laboratory. And uh, I just want to say it's been, you know, wonderful working with the staff and personnel from each of these uh, labs. And, you know, just in general, the, this amount of subject matter expertise has been phenomenal in terms of, um, you know, I, I learn something new every day with each discussion, and it's been great. Um, I also want to acknowledge that we have uh, an, an active industry advisory board as well that features about 10 to 12 um, organizations across different sectors. And I won't name them all, but we're very thankful to organizations, you know, that are a part of our team, such as, you know, EPRI, um, IBM, you know, we're doing our initial implementation using hyperlever fabric, excuse me, um, uh, Southern California Edison, Energy Web Foundation, and just some, a few others as well. Um, we've been very impressed with the level of interaction we've, we've gotten from our industry advisory board. Um, so just in general, you know, we have a, a two-year project that was initiated through um, the Grid Modernization Initiative. Uh, or GMI uh, within the U.S. Department of Energy, um, and the, basically the GMI they have as their mandate, you know, they always have an eye toward the future, and um, there's a big emphasis on in ensuring that the we're conducting uh, relevant and uh, necessary uh, research and development efforts today that allow us to have a modern electric grid, um, so um, it's such that it's you know reliable, resilient, and more secure. Um, so our Blossom project, it came out of a grid modernization lab call in, uh, back in 2019. 
that it sought to, you know, uh, R&D that was around uh, enabling secure communications for grid operations. And that included, you know, normal operations, but also um, uh, response, you know, during uh, emergency response. So, you know, and that could be a cyber-based attack or a, a natural disaster. So um, we definitely see, you know, that blockchain and distributed ledger technologies, um, they definitely fit the bill when it comes to, you know, uh, secure communications to support grid operations. Uh, but what we did it, decided to do is basically push it forward and, and try to fill a gap that we saw in terms of maturing blockchain technology. So the gap that we saw was, you know, there is a need for meaningful testing and evaluation under uh, real world scenarios. So, uh, and we think that's a critical aspect for, you know, uh, proving the viability of a concept under investigation. So that brings us to like the specific goals of the project. So basically what we're doing in this project, this Blossom project is to, you know, we're trying to create a multi-lab uh, testing infrastructure and we're, we're calling it the Unified Testing Platform or UTP that basically emulates uh, different aspects of the electric grid uh, such that we can test and evaluate blockchain-based concepts and solutions. Um, so uh, the concepts that we're, that are under investigation, um, you know, they are in the form of compelling use cases um, that leverage the inherent features of blockchain um, for the purpose of secure communications. Um, and what we think is, you know, when, once we are successful um, and once we're complete, you know, and we have an, a UTP testing capability, what we think it will do is be able to serve as a, a proving ground for these new concepts. And, um, you know, uh, such that as we're testing and demonstrating, we can help build confidence in a new technology and essentially drive down risk. Um, so, and then we think if we are able to do that all successfully, we are also accelerating and the tech transfer and basically that pipeline of viable concepts from the laboratory out into industry. Um, and then I'll just kind of in, you know, we have uh, within this project, there's kind of three facets or three aspects. We have the UTP core itself, which basically is that baseline testing infrastructure that we're trying to build out. Um, and we're trying to uh, target and seek you know, the modular interoperability and, and, and have it be reusable so that we can interface with multiple blockchains, but also uh, be able to test uh, multiple use cases. And, um, you know, to show, so that's the UTP core. And then to show that that core is actually functional, like the actual testing apparatus is functional, we are going to be implementing two use cases. And one of them is uh, using blockchain to support supply chain use case. And then the second one is uh, using blockchain for to support a DER, so distributed energy resources um, coordination and control. Um, so I, I've teed it up, and I'm sure you know throughout this discussion we'll probably dig deeper deeper into some of the specifics of those use cases. Um, and my colleagues, you know, Tony and, and Grant will help you know provide more detail. I think again throughout this discussion. And then the final thing I just want to say is I'd be remiss if I didn't you know give a, a mention to our project sponsors uh, within DOE. Uh, which include the Office of Fossil Energy and Carbon Management, uh, the Office of Electricity, as well as the Office of Nuclear Energy. Um, so, you know, we have mighty goals and we're trying to um, and, and, uh, complete them successfully. And it's the funding and support that we get from those um, offices that allow us to, you know, go down this kind of meaningful path in terms of being able to, um, you know, accelerate the development and maturity of blockchain-based technologies overall. 
Yeah, thank you, Sydney. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially talking about really just the need for tech transfer and some of the testing capabilities. Um, I'm kind of curious, um, Tony, what what was interesting specifically about blockchain and why was it a technology that the team in the beginning kind of honed in on, honed in on to help solve some of these potential pain points in the energy industry? I think one of the things that seems really interesting about blockchain, you know, we're seeing the technology really evolve and adoption in several other sectors like the finance and food and maybe even automotive sectors. So the question is, you know, what what could it bring to the energy sector? Um, We see this massive transformation happening in the energy sector right now. there's going to be so much more distributed uh, resources and stakeholders, and all of those pieces need to interact in a trusted fashion. And so that's that's one of the things we feel like a blockchain network might help us with in ensuring additional trust within that system, given so many more stakeholders in a distributed architecture. Uh, there seems to be this need for transparency so understanding what other players are doing in the environment and then that ideally sort of enables this transactional uh, environment so we see we see those things happening you know we've we've gone from a utility industry with uh, a few really large players kind of managing the overarching system and uh, now needing to be able to rely on and trust uh, many other participants that are going to be in that in that system so again blockchain blockchain has features of consensus and immutability within it uh and so you know those those attributes probably give us an opportunity for some additional value um be great to have this better understanding and agreement of who's who's actually doing what within the system right and then understanding that there's a trusted history a log of what has happened and those logs can be used to really generate a uh, a learning algorithm and be able to make better decisions in the future so i think all of these all of these features kind of bring together being one of the reasons why blockchain should have some significant value and impact to the energy sector uh, i guess the last piece there is that you know uh Government labs are really here to innovate, help industry innovate and prove out concepts. So we saw that specifically to blockchain, there's probably a value and a need for uh, testing methods and some metrics to go with it to really give you that option of, okay, so is this really helping me solve my solution? And that's one of the reasons why this team came together uh, and why we're kind of pursuing this project. And then I guess the last thing is you know, big, big, big uh, opportunity to link data sets together. So, you know, as the grid evolves, there's many more sensors out there and data sets, databases. Maybe there's a chance that, you know, blockchain gives us a way to uh, pull pieces from individual sets and, again, make better decisions. That's, I think, fundamentally, we see this improving the way we operate our grid our grid in, a, in the future. Thank you. And, you know, it, it, when we think about blockchain, uh, of, of first, first of all, we typically think about cryptocurrency 
Um, we've seen people deploy and start to use and more readily adopt things like cryptocurrency, but also some other use cases like smart contracts and some other things like that. Um, so, so I'm kind of curious thinking about, you know, how we could potentially deploy and leverage blockchain in the energy sector. Um, Sydney, do you, do you have any ideas? What are some of the, the ideas and some of the promising use cases for blockchain in, in the energy industry? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So, you know, what we've seen is that, you know, blockchain has a wide variety of use case applications. I mean, they span a lot of different sectors, including, you know, tra generation, transmission, distribution, and even end users. Um, we've seen applications that are uh, consumer facing, uh, what we would call like the, the retail services um, that basically aid in uh, the streamlining of retail transactions, like with people and, and, and with organizations. Um, this includes, you know, the using blockchain for things like billing and payments, um, audits and, and regulation uh, uh, compliance. Um, some example, I think some uh, specific examples uh, include the use of blockchain and, and even it's almost like a tokenization effort, but, you know, to issue and track uh, renewable energy certificates or even, you know, facilitate rewards programs and things like that. You know, for example, we've seen things. Um, with uh, smart driving rewards for electric vehicles. We've seen, you know, renewable, uh, um, uh, like in addition to renewable credits, we've also seen things like uh, emissions cre credits uh, and such that they can issue and track, you know, things like carbon credits and stuff like that. Um, uh, another uh, major kind of use case application is in uh, marketplaces and trading. Um, so, you know, grid services, you know, they include is a very active ecosystem with, you know, multiple parties participating at the same time. Uh, this can include, you know, energy producers, energy consumers, uh, renewable energy generators, you know, and others, you know, all uh, engaging with each other and trying to communicate basically the value of um, uh, energy services as they transact uh, those same services. So uh, essentially, you know, we have a transactive energy marketplace where, you know, folks can bid settle and even like uh, trade energy services and blockchain basically holds a lot of promise in terms of um, being able to serve as the underlying platform to facilitate those interactions in a, a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer manner um, without you know the intermediaries right so everything that um, you know that the, the uh, fundamental promise of blockchain technology that we we've, we've always heard right it can be implemented through uh, transactive energy systems and basically also while also ensuring uh, things like transparency, you know, and managing identities, um, protecting data from uh, tampering, um, and then as well as, you know, just that pure, you know, auditability aspect in terms of being um, tracing uh, and have a traceable data uh, overall. And then I, I'll just highlight one more uh, use case because I'm sure I can go on and on, but one more use case that we um, have been seeing is, you know, uh, the use of blockchain for a supply chain application, which is, um, I feel, very compelling. Um, so it, it basically, you know, speaks to um, uh, being able to track uh, the chain of custody uh, for assets, and that can include things like software, hardware, uh, equipment and components, uh, even like fuels and raw materials, right? So uh, uh, throughout the entire um, asset life cycle, so for energy systems, you know, where we want to ensure, you know, that reliability and security of assets, um, it's highly critical that we be able to confirm an asset's uh, integrity and its provenance, you know, as it's passing hands, essentially, and it's moving through 
um, the different stages of a, of a of a asset life cycle. So, and then with blockchain, you know, with this, it's immutable, a lot of information that can be immensely helpful uh, in terms of tracking those interactions. So those are just, you know, at a high level, just, you know, three that um, uh, come to mind initially, um, but there are definitely more um, within the energy sector. And we're just, I think, just touching the surface of what can possibly be done. Well, thank you, Sydney. Yeah, those are really some interesting um, potential use cases that uh, I think could potentially provide a lot of benefit to the industry. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious if there's any ongoing projects in the industry, whether they're in kind of the conceptual phase or um, demonstration phase, or, or maybe even further along. Yeah, thanks for the question. So, you know, right now, actually through this project, we are conducting a survey of um, uh, blockchain and distributed ledger um, uh, R&D. Uh, and both at DOE as well as within industry. Uh, we're basically conducting a survey of the electric power industry in the forms of demos and pilot um, uh, demonstrations. And uh, we're also doing, you know, we're conducting an extensive literature review. Um, and and we're trying to, you know, on the DOE side, we're trying to, you know, interface with, you know, different DOE of offices and, and gather information about uh, where our investments are going and and what, if any, are the research gaps um, and what we call just basically research opportunities. I know the folks at EPRI have been helping out in this effort by, you know, even polling their utility members and, and helping us to identify activities out in industry. Um, uh, to our knowledge, this type of uh, uh, comprehensive review of activities, you know, focused on both DOE and the industry, uh, uh, the uh, electric power industry uh, within the U.S., it hasn't been done before. Um, so at a high level, we're kind of interested in, you know, the types of stories that we could tell and glean from the data. Um, so some of the preliminary findings that we, we've uh, uh, found is basically speaks to the, the, the natural progression of technology development uh, within uh, the, with the, basically the earlier stage R&D being conducted at DOE um, through our national labs, while the higher uh, uh, maturity or higher TRL demonstrations um, that interface with, you know, consumers and it's basically less, a little bit less research, but a more emphasis on deployment. Um, we've been looking at that in terms of uh, what's being conducted in industry. So uh, what we've seen so far is that, you know, we see that the more foundational kind of the proof of uh, concept work is being conducted by DOE. And uh, this is generally, you know, uh, the use case agnostic stuff that, you know, like building new consensus mechanisms, uh, developing standards, etc. cetera. Uh, but um, in, in it, I think it makes sense, you know, overall in terms of, you know, the respective roles that government versus industry play when it comes to um, the different stages of technology development. So we're seeing um, a lot of, uh, because of that, we're seeing a lot of opportunity space for more public-private partnerships um, that conduct the higher TRL R&D for uh, blockchain technologies, you know, as they relate to the energy sector. Um, and a key item here is, you know, we we definitely want to, so as we're trying to encourage more public-private partnerships, um, because again, we think that is a, a little bit of a, a, a again, an opportunity space. Um, one of the key elements would be, you know, to ensure that the research outcomes from these partnerships are made publicly available. Um, so, you know, we definitely want to add to the working knowledge for these systems, and you can only do so by making in, uh, the information available to the public. Uh, so uh, this way, you know, uh, we think by doing so, you know, it's just adding to the current state of the art and uh, regarding the use of blockchain for the energy sector and, and basically continuing um, uh, progressing and, and moving forward. 
So we're, we're hoping to roll all of this information up into a journal article um, and is currently in progress. And uh, we're working on to finalize the final first draft right now. And then we're hoping to make and have a public facing publication uh, before our project ends in April of next year, where we'll kind of um, you know, show the, 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 the full assessment, like that, com that comprehensive 360-degree view of not just DOE assets, but everything, um, uh, uh, research uh, and, and demonstration activities that are also being conducted by industry. So, um, so, so talking about these different use cases, um, one of the ones that was mentioned was the supply chain. And I know there's a lot of, there are a lot of challenges from a cybersecurity point of view um, centered around the supply chain, different supply chain breaches and compromises that we've seen um, even recently, but um, over the past several years. Jason, you've had a chance to work um, with many cybersecurity teams all over the world. Uh, why is it so important to focus on cybersecurity in the supply chain? And also, you know, what makes it so difficult Thanks, Jeremy, for that question. That that's a large question that we could spend a lot of time discussing. Maybe in the future we could do our own podcast on cybersecurity in the supply chain. But you're right; that is one of the hardest attack vectors to actually develop cybersecurity controls around that are really effective. Meaning, how do you protect, detect, and respond and recover from a cyber attack in the supply chain? There's a number of issues that really come to mind when we think about supply chain and some of the current challenges. In the electric sector in particular, uh, asset visibility and asset inventories still are a major challenge, especially for OT networks and uh, devices. This is really because there's been a long legacy of not having very good documentation about the actual assets that are on the network that are communicating and operating. And as assets are changed out, upgraded, uh, they continue not to be documented well. So actually knowing what's on your network and communicating uh, tends to be a challenge, especially around knowing the patch levels the firmware versions, the OS software versions associated with all those devices so that it, when a vulnerability comes out, you don't know if you have a vulnerable product within your network. In addition, uh, there's a lot of vendor proprietary information and intellectual property that are protected within those vendors' products. So for example, a lot of vendors may use real-time operating systems. They may use code libraries or dependencies. And sometimes even though there are, uh, you know, these embedded real-time operating systems or third-party code dependencies, there may be a vulnerability with one of those pieces or parts uh, but unless you actually know that your product has implemented one of those real-time operating systems or, or embedded pieces of software, uh, you may not know that there's an actual vulnerability with the product you have. So to get around that uh, and to make it a lot easier for the end users to understand 
uh, the impacts to the equipment that they actually have. There's a lot of research going on in the industry around S-bombs, which are software bill of materials, H-bombs, which are hardware bill of materials, and even uh, hardware-based reference signatures. And what these do uh, are uh, they help the end user understand what makes up all of the code that's embedded in the device or what what makes up the hardware that's embedded in the device so that if there's a certain vulnerability with a piece of it, the end user has better visibility into that and they understand how their product is actually impacted. The idea is that the vendors themselves or the integrators in some cases may actually develop these S-bombs and H-bombs so that uh, the end users know what, what it's comprised of. Uh, Hardware-based reference signatures are physical devices that are um, born on a device to in, uh, a piece of hardware that ensures its authenticity. Uh, a good example of one of this, it, one of these could actually be a puff or a physical unclonable function. Ways to track these though are very difficult to make sure that they're genuine and authentic. So um, making that making the puff easy to authenticate to make sure it is authentic uh, is a challenge that we still have. But all of these really lend themselves to blockchain to really help with that authentication piece to make sure that you know the the information in the S bomb or the H bomb is authentic. Um, so we have an immutable record of the information within those H bombs and S bombs. Uh, you know we make sure that the HBRS that we have or hardware based reference signature that we have with that's born on the physical hardware is authentic. So. So those are some things that we can look forward to uh, using blockchain for in the future that may be able to help uh, bridge this gap that we currently have in cybersecurity with respect to the supply chain. Now, I know Grant has really been leading up a lot of research on demonstrating some of these things within Blossom. Grant, would, would you mind just kind of talking a little bit about your perspective on some of the demonstration aspects of blockchain for the project? Yes, thank you, Jason. Um, really excellent job, I think, summarizing the pain points, challenges, but also the opportunities for supply chain uh, with blockchain applications. Um, a lot of what you touched on, I think, is, is what we are looking to, to build the foundation for uh, to be able to host future projects um, that bring blockchain applications solving those problems, uh, as well as solving some of those problems ourselves as we demonstrate our uh, unified testing platform. Um, so we had a lot of overlap. We This project, we did uh, a series of design thinking workshops after we down-selected the supply chain case as one of our focuses. Um, and IBM facilitated those uh, where we had a lot of industry advisors and lab experts um, that included vendors and utilities, uh, as well as yourselves, um, to give advice along the way for, you know, what the current state of supply chain is, 
um, and what the future state needs to look like. And, and as a part of that, defining the pain points uh, that you already kind of mentioned. So a lot of what we're looking to demonstrate is uh, the ability to solve some of those problems like digitizing information, uh, being able to trace around asset information, and being able to fill in the gaps for missing or limited information about devices and software um, in the supply chain. We're also looking to correlate vulnerabilities to give that traceability, um, as well as solve or, you know, create a platform that helps to solve problems like is the device or software that was shipped from the vendor the same that was received, um, as well as, you know, following maintenance or during continuing operations, is that the same asset that continues to be installed and operating? Um, so we have the opportunity with the, the hyper facility at NETL uh, being a real, having real hardware and being a real uh, operational process for power generation. Um, we have the opportunity to overlay some of these um, concepts in an environment that can host new devices where maybe they have those uh, HBSRs that you referred to, um, as well as looking at ways to do that in legacy equipment. Um, and if that legacy equipment's programmable, uh, you know, we can do, we can do fingerprinting or uh, we can do puffs like you mentioned um, and be able to show what, what parts of that need to be on chain uh, for to get, take advantage of the immutability and take advantage of that distributed execution um, versus how it can, it can be in that mixed paradigm of real hardware, real standalone software applications, or even sensors that don't have local compute. Um, so we'll be building a, a network that includes uh, four stakeholders where we have vendors, utilities, uh, threat information providers to be able to put published vulnerabilities into the environment. Um, and we'll be doing multiple ledgers so we can model uh, different types of, of public information, private information uh, versus sharing within a subset of those actors. Um, so as you as you kind of mentioned, one of the main things to capture uh, is that configuration of an asset. Um, so a lot of concepts overlapping what you mentioned, where we're looking at the hardware bill of materials, the software bill of materials that would capture the NTIA, uh, you know, minimum fields. Um, adding with that communications, the ports and protocols that the vendor thinks are available and should be used, as well as in operations what's the ports and protocols that were deployed. Um, and then finally capturing the installation metadata in the operations ledger. Um, so you can start to correlate, you know, where an asset is installed and what the impact of a vulnerability or tampering with that asset, what kind of impacts that can have. So again, we're capturing those life cycle events through, through maintenance um, and correlating vulnerabilities uh, to be able to have that immutable history of a of a device or a standalone software application, um, we also have the vendor for within Hyper um, Woodward provides the controllers and sensors uh, for that real hardware process that I mentioned. Um, so they've been great for us to help give us realistic information for those bills and materials uh, to be able to model a real uh, a real. A real demonstration of of what's actually in devices in operations. So explain just a little bit more collecting those installation details. You know, that's where we can get into that easy traceability when a vulnerability is discovered. You can trace where it's at and how impactful that would be. 
the communication details, adding that into the asset information that's stored, you can see where that can set the stage for automating um, the deployment of something into operations where uh, you can automate the, the whitelisting of that communication, but then also it can get into the remediation, right? So we can set the stage for by collecting the communication information about an asset. If a vulnerability is there in an on-chain, on-blockchain application, could you do remediation steps, uh, you know, to maybe segregate that device? Um, and finally, you mentioned the, the signature-based thing. So one of the lasting features we see in our platform is um, we're providing that way in a legacy environment as well as a new device environment to, to broker that challenge and response uh, off of an on-chain operation. So a smart contract can tell a device to prove its signature, and we can take that device's response all the way up. And so in that sense, our demonstration could host future future projects that focus on different ways to do that in smart contracts or focus on different signature methods within a device. Um, and ultimately, the final goal for this demonstration is ultimately to show um, how we can, we can build into that unified testing platform uh, the evaluation framework to test that a blockchain application kind of fits the need of a supply chain use case and capturing lifecycle events. You know, thinking about all of the challenges in the supply chain, and um, as Jason, you or Jason and Grant have you kind of talked about, uh, I really think that blockchain does have a lot of potential um, to help solve or at least uh, reduce some of the challenges associated with supply chain cybersecurity. Uh, I know one for this project, one of the other things that um, the other projects or use cases that this project is looking at is DER, Distributed Energy Resources. Uh, Tony, could you talk a little bit just about what DER is and why it presents some unique challenges that, that might lend themselves to blockchain? Yes, yes. Uh, DER stands for Distributed Energy Resources. And that's the PV on people's roof. It's the energy storage they might have in their garage. It's uh, it might even be dispatchable loads at a factory. Those are all sort of distributed energy resources. They sit out on the distributed energy grid portion of the of the grid. Uh, and and we've all seen this over the last 10, 15 years. There's been this dramatic drop in costs to manufacture, to deploy, to install all of these technologies. And so uh, we're expecting that to continue, and that means adoption is going to continue to grow. Uh, our, our challenge is that that means there, th these devices are owned by many different stakeholders, and those stakeholders have, have varying objectives, right? And those objectives may not always be exactly the same as what the utility is. And and they're devices that connect to the grid, but the utility doesn't necessarily have direct control over those. Um, and so you've got individual responses and participation rates that utilities utilities are going to have to basically depend on uh, what those responses look like and or have really good handle on what those responses look like. And this this. Uh, this all brings a, a level of complexity that we haven't seen in the in the power system. So it's already a highly complex and large system, but this is a whole new level of complexity. Uh, to make complexity work, we kind of have to have trust, and 
trust is established with some verification and and we we need authentication and security within built into all of those distributed devices to make sure that this overall system can actually work. Um, so so that's fundamentally that's why we're pursuing blockchain as a possible uh, solution set or application that really application the our der use case being an application that really drives a blockchain implementation um, and, and in our case what we're doing we actually have modeled a system operator a distribution system operator so so basically we've got that bulk system and the distribution system represented and then in the model, we're also having an aggregator who interfaces with individual DER devices. And that aggregator negotiates on behalf of those owners into the markets that the distrib distribution operator uh, participates in and the system operator basically ma manages. Uh, so that's, that's where we've got multiple stakeholders all interacting together on a transactive uh, system and blockchain can help us manage and and implement those those transaction decisions um it, the der case that we we're looking at it's it's just one of the many ways of kind of exercising a blockchain environment uh and our our goal here really is to to exercise that blockchain environment understand how it's doing its job and see if there's ways ways that we can improve uh the implementation of the blockchain for these energy uh, applications. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think, you know, really talking about these two different use cases, both the supply chain, um, cybersecurity in the supply chain, and also DER, I think they're both major, um, they both represent challenges and also potential shifts in the industry. Um, so, so I know one, we've talked about this a little bit, but one of the main focuses of the project as well is to build out a test environment. Uh, I know Grant, you've been working, uh, quite a bit on the test environment and, and designing and getting that stood up. Could you describe a little bit about what that environment entails? Yeah, definitely. Um, as Sydney mentioned all the way back in the beginning with the project objectives, you know, one of the main things we're trying to do is provide that platform that uh, allows blockchain applications to mature and ultimately lower their risk um, by being able to connect to the already investments already in made in components that bring end to end grid scenarios. So that includes co-simulation environments and it includes uh, real hardware in the loop lab environments. Um, that represent each portion of, you know, grid operations, so uh, generation, transmission, distribution, and user, you know, the edge user. Um, as a part of doing that, we are creating that foundational platform that will host the ability to test and evaluate blockchain applications uh, within those end-to-end grid scenarios. And one of the main challenges is taking these components that exist and overlaying a, you know, essentially a data collection platform and a, a platform that can proxy communications between a blockchain application all the way to those components, whether they're real legacy hardware that you can't change computing on, um, or whether that's a co-simulation module uh, that you would want to run in the cloud or locally, for example. Um, so the labs 
have a, are really good at being able to to bring that domain expertise, bring that real world hardware scenarios, and then help the projects work through you know the higher end of the TRL levels where they're making their technologies, bringing them out of the early R and D uh, concept stage. This can help to move it in that maturing uh, pilot stage where they're working with real hardware and proving that it can you know comply with timing requirements, things like that. Um, so ultimately, the main goal of the unified testing platform is to enable blockchain applications to communicate with those lab facilities and co-simulation tools that I mentioned, but decouple the unified testing platform from specific blockchain applications. So there's so many technologies in, in blockchain networks where if they're permissioned, it takes credentials or specific wallets. Um, or running, you know, right there with nodes. So we're we're trying to make the unified testing platform in a decoupled manner, manner, so that brokering of command and control requests to a device, or reading or polling of data or publishing of data out of the lab environments, um, is decoupled from a from a specific blockchain application. And so in that sense, that will enable being able to rapidly connect. Um, new blockchain applications, you know, to these to these environments, or it'll be able to take the same blockchain application, same use case, but maybe reconfigure the grid emulation side so that we can have different different mix of generation types or or different um, you know topologies. We can reconfigure those lab resources and test it within the same use case, for example. Um, so we're we're ultimately in this project. We are. Uh, for the demonstration, we're building this into Amazon Web Services, so it would be a cloud, cloud-based uh, platform. However, we're trying to build it in a way that's just a, a general framework that that can be picked up and applied um, to you know any hosting provider or on-premise services if necessary, uh, where you can where you can have that com those requirements of connectivity and routing data and control commands between those two environments um, being the blockchain and, and the grid emulation. Um, also, the platform is looking to provide, you know, key services for interoperability, such as off-chain storage um, or the ability to, 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 to ingest logs from the different components so that you can build that testing and evaluation infrastructure um, so if you if you look at a specific task like publishing a device to a ledger, you know you could say uh, with that log ingestion, you can say did it pass or fail? Did it complete within the amount of time? You know if we're looking at a scenario where like a SCADA scenario, if it has to be in seconds where a new command's coming in, you know can you can you test that the new blockchain evaluation provides the new set point uh, within that within that required seconds or minutes timescale? Um, and have some of those lasting tests where in the same use case, a new blockchain application can be can be evaluated for its fit for that use case. Um, just to touch on a couple key integrations that we have, uh, the National Labs partners that we have, PNNL, as well as uh, NREL, have built several platforms for enabling hardware in the loop uh, communication. So Voltron, is the platform we're using for that, for being able to connect to currently deployed hardware. And then Helix is a co-simulation platform that we're integrating into. Uh, so some of the DER use case that Tony talked about, 
Um, you would build, you know, if you're doing a solar PV module, you, you could do it in a co-simulation uh, module, and then you could simulate, you know, system operators, DER aggregators, all those actors that we talked about, but then it can also connect to uh, simulators such as OpenDSS or GridLab-D, where you can do the, the grid scenario or the grid topology um, and have all of that link, link to a blockchain operation. So I guess just again, you know, to, to summarize, you know, once, once we're successful in building this platform, uh, we'll be able to show a lasting, lasting platform that can, that can broker all this communication between the real hardware co-simulation as well as blockchain application um, and be able to test and evaluate the performance for the need of the use case within that. Uh, which ultimately then provides that objective of maturing the blockchain application by having it interacting in a realistic pilot scenario. Yeah, thank you, Grant. That's really interesting. Uh, we, we've talked a lot today about all of these um, or many of the different use cases and maybe pain points in the industry where um, blockchain-based applications might have some potential benefit and then, you know, how this Blossom project and the test platform might help um, facilitate deployment of these in industry. I guess I'm curious, um, Sydney, what, what's next going forward with the project? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in the near term, I think, our, you know, our main objective right now is to complete the build out of the, the Blossom Unified Testing Platform itself. Um, so we're running at a fast clip and, you know, we're trying to get it up and running and uh, with the two use case demonstrations by the end of um, for the end of spring of next year, so I think roughly six or seven months um, from now. Um, and um, as mentioned previously, you know we're we're using Hyperlever Fabric uh, for the initial implementation. However, you know as Grant mentioned, you know we are building it the capability in such a way that you know we're we're hoping to be able to interface and connect with other um, uh, blockchains and other other approaches. So. Um, so I would say the, the key priority for the next few months will uh, also be, so that's the number one priority in the near term, just to finish out the build out of the infrastructure and the capability. And then on top of that, you know, we're also trying to develop um, uh, and uh, methods to measure and assess the performance of uh, these blockchain-based uh, solutions in order to kind of evaluate their um, uh, applicability for a, a given use case. So, you know, and that evaluation is actually, you know, twofold, like we're, we're trying to, um, you know, bake in methods to assess the blockchain performance itself. And that's things like, you know, transactions per second, you know, and, and uh, so on and so forth. But then we also wish to assess um, or, or kind of bake in the means to be able to assess uh, the use case performance itself as well. Um, and that's going to change, you know, use case to use case. Um, but we want to, uh, uh, you know, the more use cases we see, we'll kind of build out a library of of tools such that we can, you know, deploy them, um, you know, uh, for any virtually anything that comes in the door. Uh, again, with slight modifications. Um, so, uh, you know, once we we are successful and we do finish building out the capability, I think, you know, we feel like we'll have a testing resource. Um, that is available to external groups, and that can include, you know, academic institutions, small businesses, utilities, uh, even, you know, blockchain vendors themselves, you know, such that they can come and conduct meaningful testing um, and evaluation under uh, real-world uh, uh, emulated uh, grid conditions. 
Um, so, you know, we view this testing that we'll be able to provide, you know, we think it will allow for the maturing of these concepts and then uh, ultimately accelerating, you know, the solutions that are available to industry. And hopefully it, it does have a high impact at the end of the day. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely welcome, you know, the opportunity uh, to work with others. Um, to test and, and demonstrate, you know, more kind of proof of concepts, but also uh, additional use cases. So I just wanted to put it out there, you know, if anybody is looking to learn more and uh, you do are, are uh, interested in testing a use case that you've been developing, you know, you're welcome to reach out to us directly. And I'll just uh, mention, you know, we do have a website. Um, it's out uh, hosted by NETL, so it's uh, netl.doe.gov and then forward slash Blossom, B-L-O-S-E-M. And then we also have an email address, it's uh, Blossom, uh, so again, B-L-O-S-E-M, at netl.doe.gov. Um, so you guys are, anybody who's interested um, in learning more about our system and um, uh, possibly even willing to, you know, uh, uh, put their uh, use case to the through its paces, so to speak, uh, you're welcome to reach out to us and, and learn more. And we welcome that conversation when it comes. Excellent. Thank you, Sydney. And, and thanks, everybody, Tony and Grant and Jason, for joining us today. Be sure to head over to the EPRI website at epri.com, E-P-R-I.com. Head over to the Generation for Cybersecurity Assets homepage. And if you have any questions, reach out at askepri at epri.com. Thanks, everyone.